What is good, everybody? It's your boy, Chef Buck. Been out there for quite a while, but it's been too long. I gotta get back onto the podcast, but here we go. Looks like we're getting some sports back, but anyway, I'll get to that in a bit. But um, first, I guess the appropriate thing with me being off the air for so long is I probably should start with this whole George Floyd controversy that happened about a week and a half ago, or sorry, a week and a half ago, right here in Minnesota. I mean, we've all seen the video. I don't think I need to explain anything about it at all. We know the whole situation was bad. We know that that officer should not have knelt on George Floyd. Truth is, though, we should never have even been in this position. First of all, this officer, I believe Derek Chavin, should never have even had a job. He should not have even been, a- been able to be on the streets. He belonged in prison in, I think it was back in 2008, he was accused of murdering someone on the job as well. He had received dozens of complaints about how he had been behaving on the job. So certainly there is no reason that he should have even had been working. He, he shouldn't have not been working at that time. And he certainly should not have... Because remember, what, the, what you guys will not hear on any news network is that he was let off by one prosecutor... And that one prosecutor was named Amy Klobuchar, senator from Minnesota, former presidential, former Democrat presidential candidate, and top vice presidential candidate. So let that sink in. Amy Amy Klobuchar, who the media will tell you is the greatest person ever, very extremely extremely popular throughout Minnesota. She won her Senate race in Minnesota by 30 points because she's just a smiling suburban woman that's just like you and I that we see, you know, every day. When it's clearly what she's not, clearly she's not that. She let this murderer go off. And now, if it weren't for her, and we had a, you know, a common sense prosecutor, um, this officer would be in jail. But at the same time, the best thing for George Floyd to have done is to not be a criminal, I guess. Not, but Because I believe I've heard that he has had multiple arrests prior to this. He had also had taken crystal meth at the time. And he'd also had coronavirus at the time. So he was obviously, I mean, treated horribly, but the whole narrative is being pushed as if, so I'll get, I guess I'll get more, the narrative is wrong, but the narrative is that George Floyd tried to pay using a $20 counterfeit bill and the police arrested him and they used excessive force on him solely because that officer viewed him 
as inferior due to the color of his skin. If he would have been a white man, he would have not been killed or not been treated that way. But the more that has been coming out, the more I believe this is not a situation where this was a racially motivated attack. Uh, Because it's come out that... So George Floyd moved here from Houston, Texas a couple years back, has been living in this, this area for the past two years. And the police officer that killed George Floyd and George Floyd worked together at a nightclub. They didn't know each other personally, but they'd seen each other quite a bit. We know that George Floyd had a, ten, a historical tendency of doing drugs such as cocaine as well. And I guess there might have been a scenario where Chavin saw something about George Floyd that he just did not like. I don't know. But I would not be surprised if this guy had some sort of really pure hatred towards George Floyd. I think there's a possibility that this could be even worse than a racially motivated attack. I think this could potentially be a targeted attack. Who knows what kind of personal grudge that this police officer has on George Floyd. We don't know. But that it, it's certainly not good at all. None of it's good. It's, it, it, if, if, if citizens, in, if American citizens are being targeted and having excessive force used on them, that's never good. Ever. And it sounds like justice is going to be served here. It's going to be tough to uh, prove that this is what specifically caused his death. It's certain, The fact that he had taken crystal meth and had coronavirus certainly will not help his case. It's also not a good situation when you have Keith Ellison as the prosecutor on this case when we all know that he has a clear motive. I mean, I just think that, I mean, I understand you want to hire someone that's going to have more of a sensitivity on the issue, but I mean, I from what it's, it's just, in, I can just see in the eyes of whatever jury that's going to kill the integrity of this whole case because in the end, everyone, I'm pretty sure all of America wants justice for George Floyd here. Uh, they're probably going to have to move the case, the court case, to either another part of the state or outside of the state because number one, it's going to be hard to find a fair jury. And number two, if there are, if, if this officer can get off the charges, if he can just get off scotch-free, can you imagine the riots that, that there will be in Minneapolis? We thought this past week was bad, which I'll get to in a second, but this could be 10 times worse if this could spread worldwide riots. My fear is that they could be using this to deliberately influence the upcoming election. And because if this happens in October or November, this could be very, very bad. Very, very bad. It's just, you don't want protests, riots, any of that stuff in an election season. Because that just kills the integrity of the election. It hurts, it just destroys turnout I don't care what political party you are in. 
This does not help. And also, this would spread a lot of anti-American ideas. And that's not something we want during an election season. I don't care what political party that you are a part of. And yes, I also think that... Yeah, like I'm saying, the agenda is that... George Floyd is an innocent young man, or is an innocent man who just happened to pay at a grocery store with a, what was believed to be a counterfeit bill, and this evil cop killed this man because he was because of the color of his skin. Well, first of all, we know that George Floyd was not just a pure innocent man. He sounded like a nice, sound like a sound like a very great per, a, a genuinely great person, a great character. But he had a criminal history, and that cannot be ignored. This cop was clearly a hateful person, had a number of complaints, clearly should not have been on the job, but they knew each other. And so this could have been a personal thing, not a racially motivated hate attack. But like I said, there is more information coming out. The main thing, the main thing what's more important to me about than justice for George Floyd is what actually happened here. What is the truth? Because the truth, like... The truth is the most important thing. Getting to the bottom of this. What were the motives? What's the background? Was this personal? Was this racial? That's the most important thing is the truth here. For It, it, just, it just is. And now the riots here. Um, it just isn't... Nothing about the riots were good. Nothing. Nothing about the response to George Floyd's death was good. None of it. Not any other than you have George Floyd's family. There are peaceful protests, but I'm talking riots. There's nothing good coming out of that. Because in the end, if you are a minority, if you are someone that you feel is looked down on in society, the best chance you have is uniting. How did America react from the 9-11 terrorist attacks? One of the worst events in the history of America. Was the reaction of the Americans... As a collective society. To say. Oh my gosh. We hate Muslims. No. Because that's a terrible thing. To say or think of. Obviously you're going to have. A small portion of a minority. Or a small portion of people. That are going to. That would blame an event like 9-11. And use that as a platform to hate on Muslims. But in that particular tragedy, all hate was set aside and people united. Here, we are, the, the, the approach being used is hate and anger and rewriting history. That starts with the whole Drew Brees controversy here. I mean, it could, you could say it's a bit soon to comment on what's going to happen during the NFL season. 
But Drew Brees did make a good point in what he said. I don't think there's anything controversial about it. He might have worded it in a way that that could come across badly towards certain players. But I don't think that there is anything wrong with what Drew Brees said. He, si- he simply spoke on his opinion. He talked about having a form of peaceful protest that unites people. Because in the end, so let's say, for example, Colin Kaepernick obviously took a knee during the 2016 NFL season. And he was taking his knee because he thought that he, wouldn't, he could not stand for a national anthem where minorities were oppressed the way that they were. And of course, that drew, drew worldwide, nationwide, front page news. And of course, what other people follow him. More and more people kneel, kneeling. And I will admit, I had some African-American friends that were very supportive of Colin Kaepernick that, would, that were saying, it's not a bad thing to kneel. Their saying was, because the whole debate most of the time was whether this was disrespectful to the military, whether this offended the military. But the reality is this, the kneeling debate with this Drew Brees controversy should be beyond that. Because if you are a minority, you have, there, are, there are tens of millions of people on the other side. The majority of Americans still today in this country are whites. The people that have been in power throughout American history for centuries. There are a lot of Americans, a majority, I'd say a majority of the white Americans would like to, would love to have everything you're demanding for happen. The narrative in the 2016 election was the states that elected Donald Trump were all racist, white supremacist states. But there were justice for George Floyd rallies in all 50 states, which shows that as, as a whole, in the country as a whole, a majority of the whites, would the, the, the white population would love to see progress for minorities. There is a small portion that would not. And for whatever portion, you have to try to bring them on your side. And in order to bring these people on your side, it's not just, you cannot do one of, you can't, there's two things you cannot do. One, use scare tactics and try to pressure people into agreeing with you. And you can't do it by dividing people. The debate should not be whether or not this is offensive to, or to the military or not. The fact of the matter is there are a substantial amount of people that are offended by the kneeling. There are a lot of military people that feel like it's offending their service. Drew Brees obviously felt the same way. As Colin Kaepernick kneeled in 2016, the NFL TV ratings plummeted. In 2019, sorry, 2018 and 2019, when players stopped kneeling for the anthem, ratings started to climb back up again. I understand the significance of kneeling because of the, the whole George Floyd thing, but it's just is I don't, I don't think that is what will ha- will help accomplish things. The debate should not be over whether this respects the military or not. The debate should be over what is going to help fix this situation. There cannot be controversy, division. It has to be about unity. And right and this was a perfect after being after having all these crazy things happen in the last in 2020, 
And by the way, I want to say one more thing about this. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not endorsing either side here. I'm not trying to make this political, but yes. Anyway, that's all I wanted to say about that. But anyway, we have endured impeachment. We have endured a, a virus that saw us locked down in our houses for months. We've seen millions of jobs being lost. This situation here would be a perfect time for America to unite because we have seen, I mean, yeah, we've seen millions of jobs lost, but I mean, I have not seen a, heard of a single person that does not want justice for George Floyd, does not think what, that, what George Floyd got was deserved for George. This would be a perfect time for the left and the right to unite. But instead, it is used to further divide. Not, not, I, originally, I was saying, you know, I mean, Minnesota's been, or Minneapolis and Minnesota have been run by white liberal elites for decades, for decades. So just, you know what, let the, let the leftist, leftist utopia, the, I'm not, okay, the leftist dystopia here, because I mean, li- like I'd say, I mean, liberalism can work. Just look at, for example, New Hampshire, it can work, Massachusetts, they, but the thing is they have Republican party there that can compete. I I'm just saying I'm not a big fan of one-party politics in any state. In any Republican state, there is Democrat competition. Just look at Montana. They have a Democrat governor, Democrat senator. West Virginia, Democrat senator. Alabama, Democrat senator. In every blue state, pretty much, you have it's just one-party state. Like Minnesota here. I was saying, let, let the minorities in Minnesota have been oppressed for decades. Let it burn. Let the city burn. Make the government pay for it. But it only took me so long to realize that this is, these protests are much nastier than I could have imagined. There, so, as you, my, some of you may know, I've been working at a, a, a summer Amazon delivery job because umpiring has been shut down. Our Amazon company had a van stolen from them. We, a driver had his van stolen from him. He was dry. So this is a, this is on the Thursday. It was I think it was Thursday or Friday. Was driving and it's the bright. It's the afternoon and there are buildings being burnt. There's looting going on. A driver was delivering in St. Paul. A a gang or a group of people come up to him, point a gun at him, tell him to get out. They take the van, and just like that, he's on the street on his own. That just shows you, I mean, there are obviously a number of people that, I mean, like, for example, the people that are closest to George Floyd are just fine, but these people, the other people are making George Floyd look terrible. And I know there's a number of people from our school that were a part of these protests, but um, I don't see, don't see them doing anything. And when I clicked on these Snapchat stories of Minneapolis while it's burning, it's people laughing, you know, playing music, partying. It just seemed more like a party environment than actual, you know, scary riot, people protesting justice for George Floyd. I mean, George Floyd did commit some, I guess we could say some pretty bad actions, but I mean, he would not do anything close to these actions that these people would do. 
I mean, goodness. Burning buildings down. I don't see what that causes. And I don't think the Minnesota leadership could have handled this much worse. Their strategy was, let's let these people... That's the other thing here. So the, the so first of all, you have people coming in from out of state. You have Antifa probably organizing these things. Antifa is a ter- is now been recognized as a terrorist organization, and their situation is: we want justice for George Floyd. We're going to do it by doing what? Looting and stealing from mostly minority-owned businesses on Lake Street in South Minneapolis. That is terrible. The one thing you should not be doing is stealing and looting from minority-owned businesses. That's the last that's the last group of people you'd want to steal from if you were truly for justice for George. But clearly, a lot of these people were not. So the strategy of the Minneapolis... For the Minneapolis mayor, the Jacob Farrar, his strategy was, you know what? These protesters... Let them burn the city down. Let them steal. They'll burn themselves out. Okay. And by the way, the Jacob Fry, what was he doing in the last week? He was too busy spending his time doing interviews with Flowtrack, a track Twitter page. Oh, goodness. You should have stopped this. Instead of Focusing on track and field interviews. And focusing on making people have mandatory masks. This guy basically said from the start, we are going to let the police department building burn down in the third precinct. I don't see... That's, that's going to make people want to do it to burn stuff down even more. Terrible logic. And, and apparently the comrade, comrade walls. He wanted... He did not want Fry to, to want Fry to do this, but Fry did it. So this city burned because let's just let it happen. I mean, and then the thing is, there's police officers there that didn't know that that's what this plan was from the start, and they almost got killed. They damn near got killed because of this. And just and and you have other cities where minority police officers are being shot. And, you know, saying, just shaming all people that disagree with them. It's just ridiculous. It's the time to unite. Because everyone wants to see justice here. Everyone wants more, better race relations. There's no debate on that. But, this issue is bigger than George Floyd. Minnesota, this could be devastating for Minnesota. Minnesota has been under a draconian, unnecessary, ludicrous, stupid lockdown, which I'll get into later. Should have, been, should have never even been imposed in the first place. And that's, and that's killed Minnesota jobs, killed the Minnesota economy already. I mean, all these people in Lake Street have either A, just opened within the last two days before these looting started on June 1st. Or B are still closed because they're dying restaurants. Basically can't do shit because they're in Lake Street. No outdoor dining. And they're after 
taking months of just loss after loss after loss because this dumb, idiotic policy. They're going to go. Out, they're going to go out of business. The economy in Minnesota is going to tank. The tax revenue is going to be dog shit because the businesses are, businesses are going to be gone. Minnesota has the highest amount of, I guess you'd say, headquarters per capita in the metro area. They also have the third highest state income tax in the whole country, but still cannot manage to get a good tax revenue. I don't know how, why that is, but it's an issue. The two things that make Minnesota one of the, the top rated states in terms of quality of life highest paying jobs, you name it, is because, number one, large amount of high paying white collar jobs as a result of the amount of headquarters in this metro area. Number two, the strong education system. Minnesota has consistently had one of the top education systems in the whole country. But in my opinion, it could be better because the teachers union and the education in Minnesota is a complete swamp that needs to be drained. It could be so much better, but it, nonetheless, it is still amongst the top. Test scores are the best. And if, if, I, if Minnesota tries to further raise taxes, already have the third highest state income tax in the country. Already a high cost of living here. What's going to happen? Well, I'll tell you what, there's a very damn good chance that a lot of these headquarters at some point will leave the state. People are already fed up with this way this coronavirus has has been handled. They don't want to see more of this looting. They don't want to see more unrest. They're going to leave. And so, and these companies will leave right with them. The state will have even less tax revenue. The education system will plummet. The private schools will, of course, still be just fine. But also, I've been saying for months, as a person that believes that the biggest issue for the United States right now is China, and trade with China, and relations with China, and maintaining global hegemony, I've been saying for months that the biggest issue in Minnesota is racial disparity and racial inequality, racial justice. The amount, there are, let's, I'll just say a few things, but the amount of African Americans in poverty in Minnesota is three times the rate of the white poverty. That's a bad start. And also, Minnesota. Yes, it had the largest racial poverty. That's that's the largest racial poverty gap in the nation. Banks in the Twin Cities have been found to, to be nearly four times more likely to give high-income black residents subprime loans, and poor white counterparts. So 
So Minnesota consistently earns top national rankings for students reading, math, and college entrance exam scores, but it is one of the worst in the nation for non-white students, according to the Atlantic. So Minnesota is a great state, but not for the minorities. So and that the wages are just off the charts, unequal too. You have rich whites, elitists living in the suburbs. Also, the Asian, the Hmong, the Vietnamese, all of them, the Laotians. But you have the Hispanics and the African Americans all living segregated in the city for decades. The public schools have become more and more segregated over the years. The income distribution has gone off the charts bad. They've committed to, they, they committed to, in the 70s to redistributing, the, resegregating, reintegrating. And it's failed epically. Also, look at the athletic athletics in Minnesota. There, there, there could be a few exceptions here. Like Jalen Suggs went to a private academy. But I mean, for the most part, the top high school athletic programs in Minnesota are all at white school, white, white schools with large, substantial white populations. Lakeville schools, Eden Prairie, Wyzetta, Edina, Prior Lake. I could go on. And what schools had the most diverse cultures at their high schools? Burnsville, Bloomington Kennedy, Brooklyn Center, Brooklyn Park. North St. Paul, I can go on. And those schools are all terrible. Terrible. Minneapolis schools as well. There was no reason for it. We're talking around the, around the country. Most of the top athletes in the country are African American. This is something that needs to be done. Improve athletics for African Americans in Minnesota. I don't know how to do it. But that should be a priority because that will get more African-Americans to school, more of them with better futures, more of them possibly going to the NFL instead of just having them go to Bloomington Kennedy and sucking. Make them better because they, they, they are promising. I believe in them 100%. This, is the, this has got to be the main issue here in Minnesota. And it can be fixed 100%. It's just, it's unfortunate that this is the way that it is. So now that I've finished on this rent, or this mini rent, or whatever, got to get into this quick, couple quick uh, other sports headlines here. Basketball is coming back. And I don't think, it's coming back on July 31st, which I think is still ridiculous. The NBA should have never stopped in the first place. Never should have. You had Rudy Gobert test positive for the coronavirus on July, March 13. Sent the whole league on hiatus. I guarantee you, there are a number of people, players, that had this virus well before then. Such as Trey Young, Steph Curry, a couple of them. Because those two players both missed the games with flu-like symptoms. This virus was certainly circulating around the whole league up leading up to then. It just so happened that Rudy Gobert was the first player to test positive. And that sent the whole league into shutdown. I I don't think it should have taken this long in the first place. And I think whether you are Democrat or Republican, you have to be thanking God that 
Ron DeSantis won the 2018 governor's race. Because I can assure you, if Andrew Gillum was the governor of Florida right now, this would not be happening. Everything would be still in lockdown because that is what New York, California, Illinois, Michigan have all been up to. And you have Disneyland opening up within the next few weeks. Or sorry, Disney World. Mark Cuban has mentioned this. Um, Mark, for example, Mark Cuban was, who's you know probably one of the biggest voices in the NBA, was saying, "We're probably going to go for the whole Hotel California and Las Vegas solution," which I was a, a bit in big favor of because. So in the NBA, they're having just all the games at this NBA, or this Worlds of Fun basketball arena at the Disney facilities. In Vegas, you have the Thomas and Mack Center, you have the MGM Garden, you have the T-Mobile Center, home of the Knights. I mean, you also have the Cox Pavilion. You have at least four stadiums. Because MGM, whatever it's called, that's where the Pac-12 tournament is every year. In Vegas, you have at least four facilities where games can be played. You also have an economy in Vegas that is reeling. That city is all 100% on the casinos. That whole state is relies on tourism and gambling, pretty much. Gambling revenue. And their Democrat governor, Steve Slisoyak, shut everything down, shut the casinos down, all of that. As a result, everyone... everyone like, Vegas was devastated. And I was, I was hoping that this, the NBA would go to Vegas to help bring, back, bring Vegas back up help bring the, the Vegas economy back alive. Because Florida's doing just fine. They, never, they had probably one of the shortest lockdowns of any state. Their economy's doing just fine. Eat, like, and this probably, even with the games being played there, doesn't really help. It helps probably Disney more than actual Florida. And the big reason is because Disney's ESPN, ABC, they are having a wet dream over this. Disney has lost, they were losing, what, $30 million or $30 billion a day because, of the, because they weren't having any parks open. And now they're back open, and they have a chance to regain their revenue. And, of course, the NBA sucks up to them. But, like, that was my thought if there was going to be a dome thing. But I think they, should still, they, they still should be able to go and have games at their home stadiums with fans. I don't think it's going to make a difference to be honest. And why is the league not starting until July 31st? Start it up. I mean, I have no problem with the whole the whole 22 team thing. I don't have a problem with it. I have said before, I am glad my Detroit Pistons are not coming back. I don't want to see them play again. They do not deserve a playoff spot. They are done anyways. They're a joke. I hope they get... Oh, they're done. They're, they're finished. But... I still think that these games should be played in the stand, in this the team's home stadiums with fans, hundred percent, no question. No one's gonna die. So I, I'm hyped about that. I'm hyped NBA is back. I'll get into a deeper analysis into what I think is gonna happen, but that's coming up in the future. We still have a whole month and a half. Shouldn't be starting in July fourth, but no. Speaking of a sport that was expecting to start on July fourth. Let's talk about the MLB. That sport is an atrocity. <coughs> the MLB is finished here. 
There is no reason why the NBA, MLB should be back already. They were talking about having the MLB start back up in May. Or sorry, in April, they are talking about having the MLB start up in early May. Then in May, they are talking about, let's start it mid-June, have it by the 4th of July. Now we'll be lucky if we even have a season. It's all because of these stuck-up, cowardly, self-centered, punk-ass baseball players. You are paid tens of million dollars to hit a ball with a stick and stand out in the field for a ho- and do nothing. You have to do no conditioning, barely even got a lift. Hell, Prince Fielder was a fucking all-star in that sport and was fat as fuck, fatter than fuck. Looked like a fucking pregnant woman batting. Looked like a fucking offensive center for the Arkansas Razorbacks. That guy can start on the MLB. You don't have to run for shit. Don't have to condition for shit. You hit a baseball with a stick or you throw this with a ball once every five damn days. And you're talking about, oh, I don't get paid enough. Baseball players should not, should make a fraction of what NBA, NFL, NHL, even track and tennis players make. Cross-country athletes. Cross-country skiing should make more than MLB. Baseball baseball does not have to do shit for their sport. You hit a ball and a stick. That's fucking fun. Golf is harder than baseball. Golf should be paid more than baseball. And I'll tell you what. Swimming is also a hell of a hard sport. That should be paid more than than baseball. These punk-ass baseball players bitching and whining about their salaries. When they don't realize this is all going to backfire on them. Big time. All of America is taking salary pay cuts. All of them. 40 million unemployed. America is in stress. And they would love nothing more than to relieve their stress by watching you guys play. The American people pay your guys' salary. MLB players. And you have punk ass bitches like Blake Snell going on Twitch saying, I have to take... 50%, a one-third pay cut from the 50% pay cut I was already getting. This is bullshit. I'm not going to risk my life because this risk is through the roof. Oh, yeah. So, let's see. Um, Blake Stanley, you're a pitcher. What, 25 years old or some shit? I don't even know. I don't give a shit how old you are. I really don't. But, I mean, there's what? How many people died? How many? In Minnesota, okay, I'll get. In Minnesota, I'll get to this later, but there's no one that dies from this under 30. None. And you're risking your life to play baseball. Statistically speaking, if you are under the age of 30, you are more likely to die from getting bit by a dog than dying from coronavirus. You're more likely to die from. to get struck by lightning than die from coronavirus. You're more likely to die. You are more likely to die from drowning in a bathtub than dying from coronavirus. More likely to die from drinking yourself to death than dying from coronavirus. More likely to die from dying in a car crash or cancer than dying from coronavirus. But you cannot play. You're more likely to die from West Nile virus than die from coronavirus. Blake Snell, you're saying the risk is through the roof. Then you know what I want you to do? I want you to be like that SpongeBob episode. Indoors, indoors, indoors. 
you know what? So Blake, I, this is what I want you to do. People drown in their bath, their bathtubs and shit. Blake Snell, I don't want you showering. You might drown in your bathtub because that risk is through the roof. You will not eat any, any solid foods. You will eat anything but soup, yogurt, and vitamins. Because if you don't, the risk is through the roof. You could choke on something. That has a better risk of killing you than coronavirus. And you better not step outside because you know what? There's some mosquitoes out there. And you know what? One of those skeeters could have West Nile virus. And that has a better chance of killing you than the coronavirus does, bud. All you know, and you know what? You could get struck by lightning. Because you know something? You're more likely to get struck by lightning than die from coronavirus. And you sure as hell better not drive in a car. Because you know what? You have a much better chance of dying in a car crash than from coronavirus, bud. So you know what? I don't want to hear these selfish baseball players talk about jack shit. Because you know something? The labor contract ends after this year. And there's a hell of a good chance that if you don't play a game this year, not only will you not get paid a dime for this year, but you won't be getting a dime of your contract for next year. So tough stuff, bud. Either you take a pay cut that the owners ask for, or your contract is going to be zero. Zero. Hell, Blake Snell, you probably already had the coronavirus, and you just didn't know it. So you know what, Blake? You should sit down and shut the hell up and start fucking throwing a baseball to do what you're paid millions of fucking dollars to do. Because you know what? If I was calling the shots, you would probably make about uh, five, uh, 50, 50 grand a year. It's a good salary for you, bud. There's no tax. Oh, by the way, you get to keep all that money. There's no state income tax in Florida. So, Blake, 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 Blake. And now I got to get, I got to get in this bullshit Minnesota stuff. Coronavirus, 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 coronavirus. I said from the start that no American should be blamed from the coronavirus because this is 100% on, on or the CCP virus because this is 100% on China. I stand by that. But I still think Tim Walls has, or sorry, Comrade Walls has shit the bed here. Fucked it up. And Democrats should be embarrassed. Embarrassed. First of all, I don't understand the logic of his fucking comrade. Who, by the way, fucking taught in communist Maoist China before the Tiananmen Square incident. Before they even had a damn stock market. Is telling us Andrew Cuomo in New York, Gretchen Whitmer, Michigan, Tom Wolf, Pennsylvania, forced nursing or hospitals to take nursing home patients back into nursing homes with the virus infected. And what does that do? That spreads all that, that illness will spread all over the, the nursing home, killing dozens and dozens and dozens. As you obviously know, that ravaged New York City. But you know what else it did? But you know what something is that New York eventually caught on. They knew it was happening. They stopped. They stopped that from continuing to happen. But in Minnesota, after that theory gets disproven, they still have nursing home patients or nursing homes taking in these COVID patients, which makes no sense whatsoever. 
I mean, is this guy just trying to add... This guy thinks he's the smartest fucker in the planet. That's really what he thinks he is. He's gonna... He thinks he's the smartest man in this state. And if he is wrong, he is, he is not going to let himself be wrong. If he said that the smartest idea was to bring COVID patients back into nursing homes, well, shit, we're sticking with it because I am the smartest person in the room. I'm the smartest person in the state, and I am not going to be proven wrong. Kind of just like uh, the clown, bomb-ass models that said that 70... Oh, 70,000 Minnesotans would die. 50,000 if we social distance. 2.3 Minnesotans will get coronavirus, the CCB virus. That is half the state's population will test positive. You will have hundreds of thousands being hospitalized. There's not going to be any space at all. Then they made a revised one. That said 50,000 deaths. And now a third one that was just released a few weeks ago said still 20 to 30,000 damn deaths. I mean, what the hell? What the hell? Are you really that dumb? You can't, that's, you realize that's like six times the amount of deaths from coronavirus in Italy. Put that in perspective. And back in April, Tim Walls said on record in a press conference, that man actually said, give me 5,000 tests a day. 5,000 tests a day. And I'll open everything back up again. I will open up the state if you give me 5,000 tests a day. And what happens later that month? In the beginning of end of April, big breaking news flash. Mayo Clinic announces they will launch a special program together with the Minnesota Health Department where there will be 20,000 coronavirus tests available to be taken per day. So that was something to look forward to at the end of April. Finally, that day comes. For the first day, 5,000 tests were taken in Minnesota. Actually, 7,000 were, take, were taken in one day in mid-May. In mid On May 13th, I remember this day. It was May 13th. And what is... And Comrade Walls calls a special press conference. On the same day that Wisconsin, their Supreme Court struck down their stay-at-home order and all Wisconsin got free. Let out. No restrictions, whatever. Good to go. Walls makes an announcement. On, in four days, three days, on whatever, Monday, I will... The stay-at-home will be the stay-at-home order will be ending, and retail stores will be, will be allowed to open up at twenty-five percent capacity. Okay. Then he also announces on June first. On June first, we will allow bars, restaurants, and hair salons to reopen under certain guidelines. And keep in mind. All of the border states, the states bordering Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota, Iowa, Wisconsin, at this time, had all had everything open back up at this point. So we were all happy. Minnesota was celebrating. Yippee, the state home order is over. 
and then what happens next week? Oh, well, let's see here. Hair salons are reopening. Oh, by the way, churches are are reopening now too. But guess what? If you want to go to hair salon, you, you can go. But you got to wear a mask. There can only be two peop- two customers in there at a time. And you got to specifically get a haircut by arranging it through appointment. You can't walk in. It has to be via appointment. And by the way, bars are reopening. But only 10 people can be there. And oh, by the way, it has to be outside. It can't be inside. Bars are going to reopen too. I mean, let me ask. What bar in Minnesota is outside? Just only outside, as like a sufficient outdoor space. I don't think there's a single damn one out there. So we are thinking for a week that every, everything is going to be reopening. Only to get ripped off of this bullshit. Oh, sickening. Oh my goodness. And then the, the freaking... So, this man says, no more ga- no gatherings of over 10 people. And in Minneapolis, you have gatherings of 10,000 people everywhere. And Tim Moss says, wait two weeks. Wait two weeks. There's going to be a spike in cases. And what happens this week? We waited a week. It's been a week. We had a day this week on Thursday. 46,000 tests were taken. Have a 600 positive at the most. 500, about 304 and 500 a day. No spike in cases. So what does Timmy Boy announce? We're reopening more of the state. We're going we're gonna to reopen uh, fitness centers, places of entertainment. But at 25% capacity. Let me ask, can you imagine going to Lifetime Fitness and standing in a line with a mask, by the way, waiting to get inside the, to Lifetime because it's it can only be at 25%. Can you imagine wanting to go watch a movie, having to stand outside and wait till whatever the 16th person leaves, and then the the, the others, the the next person can come in. Utterly ridiculous. And then bars, yeah. <laughs> you can only have 10 people, yeah. I'm gonna go to a bar with 10 people, yeah. What do they expect us to do? I mean, they say no social gatherings of over 10 people. So what's going to happen? Yeah, Bob. So you invite your house of, your house of, uh, let's say you're in a college house living with four guys. You want to, you want to invite over a few of your buds, three of your buddies. Four of your buddies, or whatever. We'll say you have three of your buddies. So seven, or four four buddies. So, they say, oh, we want to bring three, three girls over with us to, to, to your place. And they're all smoke shows, bro. And imagine having to tell them all, well, Sorry. One of you girls is going to have to leave because the governor told us to. I mean, are you serious about this right now, man? Jeez. I mean, and all this bullshit. No more than four at a table. 
come on, man. There is no damn reason this stake should not be reopened right now. And I'm going to end this. I'm going to end this. My last part of the show. I'm going to say right now. I am fleeing the state. I am fleeing Minnesota. I am so sick and damn tired of the state. I am sick of it. I am done. This is the last straw. And by the way, it sounds like there's going to be college football, by the way, with fans too. But anyway. North Dakota schools announced back in fucking. I think this is probably back in. Right away, they announced we're going back to school in the fall. Same with South Dakota, Iowa schools. Haven't heard from Wisconsin yet. U of M announced we're going back to fucking. We're going back to class. Notre Dame. USC, UCLA, we're going back. And what does fucking the Minnesota State Schools do? Uh, we're going to go online. We gotta, we're going to go online and we're going to have class with 25% capacity with fucking people wearing masks. People are getting, getting deprived of an education here, man. I have had it. I am packing my bags. I am going to get my international relations degree maybe in exile because there ain't going to be no classes in person. I will get my IR degree in exile. I am sick and tired of this damn state. It's over. But anyway, that's all I got, man. It's fellas. I hope it's a good podcast today, but that's all I got. But uh, more is coming.